welcome everyone to the USL show. I am Pony, your host for today in a mid-season number-centric episode. And given that, joining me this morning for me, so excuse a yawn if one slips in there, is Ryan. How are you doing? I'm doing well today, Pony. Looking forward to breaking down the uh, our mid-season power rankings today. Right. As most people know, the two of us keep a few different methods of more object, more objectively rating the teams than just saying this team's good, this team is bad by the eye test or by the table, because that's not always the best way to go about things. So what we're going to do today is talk about how our methods work, so we're not just spewing off ratings, to so let you know a little bit about why the ratings are what they are. And then once that, once we get done with that, we're going to talk about the East and West ranks through our through our unique and fun methods of predicting things. <laughs> so to kick it off, I'm going to throw it over to Ryan to let him talk to you about his method of ranking teams. So my method of ranking that I've done basically in the past has been the ELO grading method. It's the same method used to rank international football sides that FIFA has integrated into their ranking system. Basically, it takes into account the goal differential to the match, the outcome, and the ratings of the two sides to determine a shift in points changing from each team. And for it, it's heavily focused on goal differential. Well, for a team, if you're winning games by a lot of goals, like Phoenix has been doing this year, it'll benefit them in the ratings a lot more than teams who who only win a, a game by one or two goals. Conversely, if you lose games by a lot of if you lose games by a lot of goals, it'll hurt you a lot more. And previously in the past. I've done this uh, the rating system from 2014 to this season, but I've also backtracked and done the rating systems retroactively for 2011 up to this point. So I have a full set of historical data just to kind of gauge where teams have finished the season relative to basically in his in the past relative to this season to determine if they would likely be a playoff side. A few disclaimers I'd like to point out in addition to the uh, heavily influenced by gold Teams in seasons past prior to 2017, he had all played less games than the teams of this season. So, which is why you'll likely see higher ratings for teams in more recent seasons because they've just been playing more games than teams from, say, 2011. But that's basically a quick overview of what ELO ratings are. I'm going to toss it over to Pony to discuss a bit more about his system. Right. My method uses strength of schedule. And one thing that's different from Ryan's is mine doesn't at all care about how much you win or lose by. All it cares about is what their final result is. So if you win by 1-0 or if you win 7-0, you just get three points. That messes with everything else from there on. So what mine does is it looks at the strength of schedule. Each team gains on average so many points per game. For example, a team might gain 1.5 points per game. And then what it does, it looks at the average points gained per game by all of your past opponents. So your past opponent may gain 1.4 points per game. And then it projects ahead for all your remaining games to give a number. And what it does is it looks at how many points per game each future opponent plays. So for the team that gained 1.5 points a game, if they play someone who gains 1.6 points per game as their opponents worsen that, they will gain less than their current average. If they play a team worse than their average opponent, they'll gain more than what their projected average per game is. This could create a situation where the total result isn't going to be equal to three points. 
for example, today's Friday, pulled up a game Atlanta and Charleston later today. Atlanta is supposed to gain 0.9 points on average, and Charleston should gain 2.3 points on average. So if Charleston draws, they did worse than expected, or if they lose, they did worse than expected. If they win, they performed 0.7 points better than expected. For Atlanta, if they win, that's better than their expected rating is, and that should increase them. And mine does this for every single game for the rest of the season for each team. And at the end, it adds all those new points together, combines them to the total points, and spits out how many points each team is projected to have at the end of the season. So with that, we're going to run through what our rankings say is going to be the final standings for the rest of the season, starting with the East and starting with my 18th place team, which is Hartford. My 18th place team is Birmingham. Moving up one, these are, again, teams who we really don't think are going to be much playoff threats or even in it, so we're going to run through them a little bit quickly. In 17th on my rankings is Memphis. I have Hartford in my 17th. Right. I think a lot of us, all these teams are going to be close to each other. There's a little bit of tweaks here and there. Moving into 16th, which is a tie, but in my rankings, ties are broken by tenths of a point. Obviously, teams can't gain tenths of a point, but it's just a way to figure things out. My 16th team is one of the disappointments of the season in Swope Park. My 16th team is Atlanta United 2, while I have in 15th Swope Park. Right. And for my 15th, as a, the team that's tied with Swope has been aforementioned by Ryan and also falls into the disappointments of the season in Birmingham, who a lot of us thought would be one of the best expansion sides this season. Yeah. It, it, moving up to 14th is another expansion side that we thought would be a tiny bit better than what they currently are is Memphis 901 FC in my ratings. Right. And again, for me, another team that Ryan's mentioned, these bottom five are the same bottom five for each of us and seem pretty clearly out of playoff contention outside of a miracle. And for me, that would be Atlanta United 2 in 14th. Moving on up to 13th, these are teams in my ratings that I think if they get things turned around, they could very well find themselves in a playoff spot, though they're not currently in one. In 13th, I have Bethlehem Steel. Right. For me, yeah, I agree. These are teams that I think not only need to get hot, but also need someone else to fall off at the end of the season to make it. My 13th has turned it on, turned it on recently though, and that is Charlotte. Who are my 12th teams. Another team I think has improved by the coaching change, sacking McGinnis, moving on to Jeffries, but they do need to get hot soon. Right. And for me, 12th was your 13th, which means I have Bethlehem Steel. Moving on up to 11th, this team has definitely been a surprise considering how they started the season with only just eight players in preseason. But on its own island, in my own ratings, is Loudoun United. I have the exact same 11th team, even though they're to me they're a lot closer to 12th than 10th. In fact, for me, 10th to 11th is the single biggest split between two teams in the East right now. But Loudoun is a very pleasant surprise. They went from having not even a full roster a couple of weeks before the season started to being a legitimate team that if things break right, could easily be playing in a play-in game. Yeah, it's funny. The biggest split between two teams in the East is Loudon between 11th and 12th. They've been, Loudon's been one of the more consistent sides in terms of their distance between their highest and lowest rating. But if they can at least break right, I think they can very well find themselves in a play-in game 
probably no higher than ninth or 10th. Right. That, but they've shown that when they show up, they're actually a good team. It's been an improvement for a DC United's Academy. Very true. So remember this year for playoffs, it's not just the top eight teams. It's the top 10 teams with 10th, 9th, 8th, and 7th doing a play-in game before the USL playoffs proper, as I'm going to probably call it, this season starts. <laughs> so these guys have one extra game to play before their first round game. And for me, in 10th place is, again, this is a 9th, 10th tie, and I've mentioned my tie breaks. But 10th place started the season very strong and it's slipped off a bit since then. They'll be looking to right the bus soon. For me, that is St. Louis. My 10th place team or the Boston Battery, while St. Louis for me is in ninth. And surprise, surprise, the team that St. Louis is tied with, and my ninth place team is Charleston, the habitual always hanging around the playoff side. I think they'll end up getting it done this year, although it's been much tougher than they have been in the past. In recent years, they've always been that habitual well, finishing third through seventh or so in the East, which has been enough for the playoffs. This year, just a tiny bit tougher, but the expanded fuel should help them get into one of the play-in games. Yeah, there's no reason that they shouldn't be at this point. For me, eighth place is the team that I think a lot of us are surprised to see down this far. At least I know I am and wondering when they're going to turn it on and return to their championship selves. Louisville City is down in eighth, eighth for me. I have Louisville City in eighth as well. The defending champs haven't started the season, I think, at the halfway point. This is honestly, I, I think, their worst season in club history. If you look at 2015 in onwards they've just performed so much better in those years it's just it's they haven't looked like their championship selves i don't know if that's the loss of cameron lancaster or a few other coaching changes and stuff but they're still in a playoff spot and they may be hosting a playing game but this isn't the situation you want the defending champs to be at they also round out my middle tier of teams that i think are could still miss the playoffs but they're currently occupying a spot Right. This is between Louisville and my next team is the second biggest split between any two teams in the East. And for me, that's a six point difference between Louisville, who I project to get 54 points. And in seventh place, seventh place at 60 points, a team that is quietly starting to look very, very dangerous. And I expect to keep moving up these standings and get out of the playing spots pretty soon. The final playing team for me is the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. It's weird. My uh, seventh place team, the last one of the uh, playing games, it, they start off a uh, range of teams that I think will likely make the playoffs. So my seven through ones, I'm pretty, I'm relatively confident making it. Is another really quiet team that doesn't get as much press is Ottawa Fury. I feel like they have been a really solid side. They're actually tied with uh, my team currently in six, New York Red Bulls too. Yeah, Ottawa is actually goes up one spot they are my sixth place team just barely ahead of Pittsburgh barely ahead of Pittsburgh is the for me the uh, just lost my tab all those teams right there in the middle or yeah the, yeah Pittsburgh going all the way and seventh going all the way up to the fourth place team are separated by a game combined so if these are very fluid and at the end of this weekend I could easily be saying Pittsburgh is my number four team but Ottawa in sixth place right now they're looking like I said, they're quietly good. I think this is where they should be. I don't think they're going to get any better than sixth, as I still don't trust them entirely. But they're a surprise. I mean, some people had them this good, but to me, I 
never expected Ottawa to be a team playing above play-in games. I think one thing that uh, should worry a higher seed is if Ottawa enters into the playoffs as that seven, they will be and win that playing game, they'll be drawn against the number two team. And that could be a tricky match for whoever's going to be in that number two seed. But as we'll talk about later, that seeding has been pretty fluid, as are most of these rankings. Moving right. up well, to... Yeah, I so say look at Go Ottawa ahead. on the road. I'm not, I'm not too afraid for Ottawa on the road so far. True. They have, yeah, they beat Bethlehem and Birmingham. And Moving onwards, uh, my fifth place team is your aforementioned uh, Pittsburgh Riverhounds. They've actually, like you've mentioned earlier, they've been a very quiet surprise and one team that as such should not be overlooked. It's we've talked about it on the USL show on Tuesday night, but Lily Ball is starting to be more attacking. Yeah, it's been a surprise. I mean, I, re- I think Pittsburgh is going to finish much better than... I think Pittsburgh is going to be a top-four team by the end of the season. I mean, right now they're on a four-game winning run, and they've only <laughs> lost two games all season. If they could just stop drawing games they should be winning, they'll be set. <laughs> I'd say moving up to my fifth-place team is one of... Another big surprise to me, and a team I still... Even when I watch them, I don't understand how they're fifth-place, and that's North Carolina. It's weird. It seems like like Dave Terrican has just helped them out, and they just find ways to pull out results. I mean, last night's draw on the North Carolina Derby against Charlotte probably should have been one that they should have picked up three points in that one, but they still managed to just get results when they need to. Their losses really haven't been that terrible this year. Yeah, they're they're a good, solid, solid team, and. I mean, I think they're they're one of the teams to me that they're going to last in the playoffs until they go on the road. When they go on the road is when their playoff run is going to end. But if they could get the three seed, they're going to knock out someone. If they could get the four seed, they're going to beat someone. And you know, never know. If one winner takes all one game, all it takes is one fluke play, and they're taking a road game from a good team. Yeah, moving on up. Um, another really odd team, but... In- in fourth place, we have Nashville FC SC in my ratings. And that's actually exactly where they are in mine as well. The, the first team who would be playing at least one home match. And again, their team, I think, could get a lot better. I mean, they just had that weird loss to North Carolina. But before that, they were, they were on a seven-game unbeaten streak. So I think they're starting to turn it around, turn it around a little bit. But they need to just keep plugging away and being the... I mean, I think we all have them as the best team coming into the season. Yeah, they were. I think they were the overall like number one pick in our team draft at the start of the year. But I, I have like no doubt. I think they will end up with a playoff uh, home game this year, though they may drop to fifth. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they're yeah because like I said, they're in a really close race with all the teams around them. For me, it's not. It's not a, a clear fourth place because I have fourth place with 63 points, fifth with 62, sixth with 61, and seventh with 60. So like I said, at the end of this week, Pittsburgh could be fourth and Nashville could be seventh very easily. Yeah, but, it, it's like that in mind. I have uh, New York Red Bulls and Ottawa are both on level ratings of 11.34, Pittsburgh's at 11.42, and Nashville's at 11.47. It's only when you get up into the top three that you start to see a little breakaway from this side. But in the top three, see, I have uh, North Carolina FC. You had mentioned earlier in the show that they needed that three seed to basically get a home game. 
And if they do that, they could easily make a run into the conference semifinals, running into whoever would be that number two seed. And I feel like their three seed would probably end up being the highest ceiling for the side this year. That sounds about right. My three seed actually came up a lot earlier in theirs than I expected them to. And I think because it's the high volatility team, but they are on a complete island in my rankings where they're more than a game away from second and have more than a game lead on fourth place. And that is the Red Bulls too. The classic, you never know what you're going to get team. Yeah, I mean, they came up as a six, but I think, like you said, they're incredibly volatile. That leads to varying degrees of goal differential in matches. They're either going to play like they should play and be one of the best teams, or it's going to be a really weird, like heavy defeat or so in any of these games. It's like just one of those you never know what you'll expect with this side. Yeah, I remember, I mean, I think they were the ones who knocked out Cincinnati last year after Cincinnati had their great season, which no one really expected them to do. Yeah, and Cincinnati is, um, in my opinion, their regular season is the best regular season in history, although their playoffs since they lost kept them from being the best season all time. But moving on up, the top team in my, or sorry, the top two have been teams that I think have gone back and forth, but my number two side are the Tampa Bay Rowdies. See, for me, if you asked me this question, if we recorded this last Friday, these two teams would have been different. They actually swapped places over the weekend for me. And my second place team right now is Indy 11. But it is close. It's a one-point difference between the two for me. Yeah, I mean, Indy 11 is my top side, and that's a one-point rating difference. Indy 11 currently has an 11.66 rating, while Tampa Bay is at 11.65. I mean, they'll go back and forth throughout the entire season, it would not surprise me to see either one as that number one seed. Right, and like that means my number one, and also by my rankings winning the Shield this year, is Tampa Bay, who's projected defense with 74 points. How is that uh, in comparison towards FC Cincinnati from last season? Let me pull up Cincinnati real quick. Last year, I think it's around the same. But if, it's one of those things where a really good team is on mine is projected to do very well every single week. Uh, Cincinnati had 77 last year, so it'd be a little bit behind their pace. But I mean, Cincinnati set a tough mark to be that I don't think many had expected. I just hope for our case that, or at least for the viewers at home case, that the number one seed will end up being Tampa. I don't want any 11s and football line laden pitch being the yeah. ones that have home field advantage. Yep, I like I said, you could you could hear me get legitimately upset every time I have to watch an indie game. It just frustrates me so much and to no end. And it's gonna be even worse because and by the time the playoffs come around, it will be football season for the Colts, and that means their incidents are going to be painted blue. It's going to just be difficult it just to watch these games. But that has basically been our uh, Eastern Conference side for yeah. Our power rankings were, it seems like we're all relatively similar, especially in the bottom five and the top two teams. Yeah, do you want to run through the top 10 for each of us from 10th to 1st, just to get a quick summary of who we think the playoff teams are as of now? Yep, I will jump in. Starting at 10th, I have Charleston Battery. 9th is St. Louis FC. 8th is Louisville City. 7th is Ottawa. 6th is New York Red Bulls. 2. 5th is Pittsburgh. 4th is Nashville. 3rd is North Carolina. 2nd is Tampa Bay. And 1st is Indy 11. And for me, kicking it off in 10th place is St. Louis. Up to 9th is Charleston. 
Eighth place is Louisville. Seventh is Pittsburgh. Sixth is Ottawa. Fifth is North Carolina. Fourth is Nashville. Third are the Baby Bulls. Second is Indy. And my current first place team is the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Uh, sponsorship read here. Yeah, I feel like you could plug one in here when we want to get this edited in. It's a good midpoint. Yeah, it'll be a good one. All right. Now we're back and moving on to the West. And I think we're both going to have the exact same team in 18th. But drumroll, it is Tacoma for me, who is barely going to get to 20 points by my projections. For me, it's Tacoma Defiance. And we were talking about it earlier in the season that I that they're going to be one of the worst. It's the current bottom two teams in my all-time season ratings of worst teams ever was that infamous 2013 Antigua Barracuda team who finished with a 970 rating. Last year, Richmond Kickers finished with a 991. Currently, Tacoma's at a 10.08 rating. If they drop down much further, they could be in the running for second worst team of all time, and it's by no surprise that they're down here. So I did look at it, though, but they're for, I project them to be better than last year's Toronto team, who only had 18 points. Although Toronto is doing well down in League One this season. Yeah, they finally found a good spot to play where they get competitive matches. Yeah, and maybe that's something Tacoma should look into for the future. Yep, they fell quite a bit from their first season as S2. <laughs> Moving on up to 17th, I think that we have the same exact team down here, but for me, it is the Colorado Springs Switchbacks. Yep, I have the exact same team in 17th, and they are very much on an island, nowhere near Tulsa and nowhere near as bad as Tacoma. Yep, Tulsa is the same team for both of us in our ratings that they're both in 16th, and this bottom three really is an island. I think all three of these teams are really on an island of their own. Tacoma is clear worse. Colorado Springs, it's a weird middle ground between Tulsa and Tacoma. And Tacoma, and sorry, Tulsa in 16th just doesn't have enough to jump up to my 15th place team. So for me, it's a little bit closer in my 15th as a tie. But the loser of that tag and in 15th place, even after their performance last night, is the LA Galaxy 2. I have LA Galaxy 2 in 15th as well. I still think that all these teams in 15th, if they can get hot at the right moment, they can still jump into the playoffs. The season isn't quite over for Los yet, though it may seem unlikely. And like we stated for the Eastern Conference, it would require teams to drop down for them to benefit. Right. Yeah. For me, I mean, point wise, they are only 10 points out of the playoffs by my projections. That's with half the season to go. That's not the worst thing, worst spot in the world to be in. But for me, um, and for, oh, go ahead. Oh, for, okay. Yeah. And for, I was going to say, yeah, we all started at the same time. <laughs> in 14th place for me, which is the tide with low dose, is RGV. Yeah, RGV is my 14th place team as well, who sit one rating point in front of Los Dos at 1079, while Los Dos is 1078. Right. Kicking it off in 13th for me is a string of three straight teams who are frustratingly disappointing this season in my books. But 13th place in mine is San Antonio. 13th place in mine is Orange County dropping off from being the number one seed last year in the Western Conference to where they are now has to be among some of the most disappointing teams this season. You have to wonder if Ina Volson was really should have been MVP if he, his departure. I mean, there's been other shifts, but that's just such a huge name to leave. And then your team is that 
much different is pretty stunning. Yeah, I mean, as we've seen on our recap shows, the MVP should go to whoever, if you take them out of the team, how much does that team shift? And we saw that with Anna Voltson, that if you take them out of Orange County, Orange County's no longer a playoff team. Yep. Yeah, but speaking of Orange County, they are my number 12 team right now, even though, speaking again, of- at this point, they are in, they're very much within striking distance of playoffs. Yeah, both of these teams that we'll mention here are still very much within striking us in the playoffs. And speaking of San Antonio, they are my 12th team. This is re- the San Antonio Orange County is really the Charlotte Bethlehem pairing of the Western Conference. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. two kind of frustrating teams that are hanging around that play- low, those low in playoff spots, but can't quite get over the hump. And sitting in the Loudy United position is another L team for me is Las Vegas Lights, another team that still is within striking distance of the playoffs, but the Winalda-led Nevada-based team is just sitting in that 11th position. Yeah, they're in the exact same spot for me. It's currently four points out of the playoff spots. So as a brief recap of our Western Conference teams who will be missing the playoffs per our projections, in 18th, I have Tacoma, 17th is Colorado Springs, 16th is Tulsa, 15th is Los Dos, 14th is RGV, Orange County is in 13th, San Antonio is in 12th, and Las Vegas is in 11th. Right. For me, running it up, we have 18th Tacoma, 17th Colorado Springs, 16th Tulsa, 15th there's Los Dos, 14th RGV. 13th San Antonio, 12th Orange County, and 11th Las Vegas. But again, for me, these this is a much, all these teams outside the playoffs have a much better chance than the East teams of getting in. Yeah, I still think it's a wide open race. Like I had said, I think any if you're above any team that's currently above 15th, in my opinion, still has a decent shot. And based off of those teams that we have sitting out of the playoffs, we only have it's the same exact teams in both of our rankings. We've just only switched our opinion on where you put Orange County and San Antonio. Right. Looking at just a comparison for me, the difference between St. Louis and 10th and Bethlehem and 12th out east is about the same as my number 10 team and Tulsa. So the west, by my rankings, is very, very tight and you can't afford to drop any games. Same time, just a few game hot streak and you're back in that top 10. Yeah, I mean, and for the ELO ratings, Charleston Battery at an 11.03 rating in 10th to Charlotte and 12th at a 10.71 rating is similar to my 10th place team and 15th place LA Galaxy, too. Right. So, talking about that 10th place team, so we could remove the blinds and just, just stop calling them that for me, it's again a tie, but in 10th is going to be Oklahoma City for me. I have OKC Energy as my other 10th place team as well. Yeah, they're a, they're another one that's kind of up and down teams where they look really good one week and kind of questionable the next week. I think play-in game is where I kind of had them at the start of the season, and I still feel they're a play-in game team. Yeah, I, mean, I think for OKC, a play-in game team, pretty fair. It seems like they, they're not down in the pits of the rest of the Western Conference, but... They're just going to be one of those solid sides. But moving up into ninth is a team I think I've actually picked in the first round of our team draft and hope they had been a bit better. Uh, sorry, Pony, but in ninth, I have Sacramento Republic currently in a tie with the uh, eighth place team. My place team is actually a bit of a surprise. I did not think they were going to be a good team since they kind of strung together a bunch of players who were great a few years back. My ninth place team is Austin right now. 
they're that was the team in eighth that's currently tied with Sacramento, and they're only in eighth because I think they've played a match uh, more than Sacramento. And my tiebreaker is if you've played more games, that inquires that you've had a larger data set to work with, and closer right. to their more true rating. But Austin Bold is currently my eighth place team. So my eighth place team is a team I picked in the draft, which was a retrospective a mistake when I thought that they'd always started hot and I figured, hey, maybe this year's going to be the year they stop fading in the last bit of the season. My eighth place team is the Real Monarchs. And I have uh, Real Monarchs up in seventh, but it just seems like in years past that they've always just started hot and not well. And they actually, as we mentioned on Tuesday, made a change in their or manager, and I'm curious how that's going to impact them going forward, but they're currently my seventh place team. Right. I say my seventh place team is Sacramento, which if people listen to the earlier in the week podcast, they're my fourth ranked team then. That's how tight the West is. The difference between seventh and fourth is just two points in my ratings, but it's going to be a close battle. Sacramento's one of the, again, a frustrating up and down team whose attack just looks uncreative and fizzles, fizzles at times. And then they play Tulsa and won 6-0. So it'll be interesting to see where they stand. I think it's like a lot of teams. This is a team who, I think in the West, you just pick the team who's playing at home. And that home game is going to be important. And avoiding a play-in game is going to be important because you don't want to have tired legs going into your first road match. Yeah, and in my 7 through 10, those teams are separated by Real Monarchs at 11.05 and OKC in 10th at 11.01. So even all those playing games is going to shift rapidly in the coming weeks. But moving into the teams that will be avoiding a playing game per our projections, in 6, I have the upstart expansion side, New Mexico United. Right, I actually have them in 6th as well when they're tied with Sacramento going into this week, but they get this tie-break break going in their favor, so they are currently avoiding that play-in game. And they've been, well, although it was defeats that uh, 3 lost to Sacramento and then a few other defeats that have really killed them. Uh, earlier in the start of the season, they were up in around the top two, top three spots of the conference, but have since dropped out due to these losses. Right. I think they're coming back down to earth. A lot of people had them as a very good team. No one had them as good as they started the season. I think that stunned <laughs> absolutely everyone. But they need to figure something out because they're four games on four games without a win right now. And they have the Monarchs coming up this weekend. But and then after Monarchs this weekend, they go up to Minnesota United for their quarterfinals Open Cup match. And that makes me curious if they're going to start putting the eggs in the Open Cup basket rather than the league. Yeah, they need to be careful about, about that league streak right now because looking at the next games, they have at, Essels, at Salt Lake, at Fresno, at Sacramento, then home to El Paso and Austin. And that's not an easy run of five games. No, and uh, speaking of El Paso, that's my number five team currently above New Mexico. And they're certainly no slouch. They're making their case to be the best Western Conference expansion side this season. Yeah, I actually have them at my number five seed as well. Again, it's a tie, It's on tie breaks. They lose to fourth place on tie breaks. But El Paso is probably earns my surprise of the season for all teams, even those are the few other teams that we thought would be middling to low-end playoff team that are making good runs. I had El Paso as one of the absolute worst teams in the West. And yeah, yeah. Yet here they are. 
I stole El Paso in the, I think, fourth round of the team draft. And we were saying, it's like, yeah, if they finish just outside of a player and game, and that'll be around where we expect. But to have them be in fifth and the highest ranked expansion side in the Western Conference at the moment is impressive. Yeah, it's it's been a good run. But fourth place for me is, again, it's on ties over El Paso is the Timbers 2, who would have a guaranteed home game come playoff time at this point. Timbers 2 is my fourth place team as well. I think they ended up being the sixth or seventh seed in the playoffs last season, so this is certainly a marked improvement uh, over where they were last year. Yeah, I mean, they've they're started to look like a solid playoff team these last few years, and after a couple bad years, it's nice to see a team turn it around and actually keep it turned up like this. Especially for it being an MLS 2 side. Yeah, apart from the Baby Bulls, there's been no consistently good MLS 2 side. And in the second half of the year, but it's just the Baby Bulls have been the mark to reach against for MLS 2 sides. Yep. But for me, moving up to third place, I have Reno. I have Reno in third as well. Yeah, and for me, right now, actually, my third, first, second, and third are actually pretty close. I think it's a lot because of how balanced the West is. My make it, makes it hard for a team to make a big run ahead of another team using my methodology because the strengths of the schedule are so equal. There's no, there's no blowout games or teams to take advantage of. And I've noted that, noticed this with the West. I think the least amount of games a team has played this year you know, up to this point in the season is 16, and the most is 18. Whereas if you look at that in the Eastern Conference, the most the team has played is 18, and the least have played, I think, is Loudon with 13 or 14. So there's so many games in hand for Loudon that it makes it at least uncharacteristically stretched out, whereas the West is pretty tightly packed as teams have all played roughly the same amount of games. Right. And my second place team right now is another bit of a surprise. I don't think any of us thought it would be this good. We thought they'd be a playoff team or a bubble team. We have Fresno. Yeah, I have Fresno as my second place team as well in the East. And they, at least I think they've been a clear favorite over Portland Timbers. They go back and forth. Okay, I think I lost you for a second there. Um, let's see. Yeah, but for no, I was just saying that I had a Fresno as my second place team as well. Yeah, Fresno's been doing good. They have two losses all season, and both of them are one zero losses. They've been they've been hanging in there. I wouldn't be. They could be a very tough out come playoff time. Yeah, they're going to be a difficult team come time to the playoffs. But moving on up to our both shared top team in the Western Conference, a team that, per my ratings, is not only running away with the conference, but are approaching New York Red Bulls to 2016 levels of good. The Baby Bulls are 2016, the team I consider as the best of all time for the league, and that is Phoenix Rising. Yeah, that's the same for me. They aren't really way ahead on my projections, but they are on a massive eight-game winning run right now, and that's after winning only two of their first nine games. And starting the year with, I think, four consecutive draws, but they get these multi-goal wins, which has really benefited their 
ratings. I mean, you see a 5-0 victory over Las Vegas, other multi-goal victories elsewhere against Tulsa. And that is how their rating is shot up to an 11.96. And consider where New York Red Bulls, who finished their regular season at a 12.02 rating and finished the entire playoffs at a 12.21, we may see Phoenix Rising surpass the Baby Bulls of 2016 prior to the season being over. Yeah, it'll be, I mean, they're the, they're the favorites to win the West. I think it's almost Phoenix versus the field for, well, I'd take Phoenix over the field to win the Western Conference regular season. If you're talking playoffs, I might shy the other way just because what's the odds of winning three straight games against three playoff teams, no matter how good you are. But they're, they're the team to beat. They're absolutely the team to beat out West. Yeah, I mean, we've had, I think, the past couple of champions have all been the past couple of champions have all been Eastern Conference size, but they've all been the number one seed out of the Eastern Conference. And I'd honestly, if like break it down for like, if you had to name five teams that you would pick to take you to playoffs, I would say it'd be Phoenix Rising and then my top four in the Eastern Conference of Indy, Tampa, North Carolina, and Nashville to win USL Cup. Yeah, I mean, that sounds about right to try to, yeah, Phoenix, then Indy, Tampa, Nashville, and I'd probably do New York instead of North Carolina. And maybe even Pittsburgh at this point, if I was really just being completely subjective. Because I, I think Pittsburgh is going to turn it up and become a top four team here within the next few weeks. Yeah, I think, I think basically to run down my top 10 for playoff sites in the Western Conference, I have Oklahoma City in 10th, Sacramento in 9th, Austin Bold in 8th, 7th is Real Monarchs, New Mexico United in 6th, Paso is in Timbers, who is in fourth, Reno is in third, Fresno in second, and we just mentioned uh, Phoenix Rising in first. Right. Again, we're pretty similar in these rankings. I have Oklahoma City 10th, Austin in ninth, Salt Lake Real Monarchs in seventh, New Mexico in sixth, right? Oh, yeah, Sacramento in seventh, New Mexico in sixth, El Paso in fifth, Portland gets the four seed, Reno the three, Fresno the two, and Phoenix the one. Our top six are exactly the same. Yeah, but I mean, for me, it's just very, if you're looking at how many points each team is projected to get, and for me, the difference between eighth place Monarchs and fourth place Portland is five points right now. So it's just two, it's two game difference. If we did this podcast next week, there will, there will be a couple seed changes of two to three in here. Yeah, I, I'm at, there's definitely going to be a lot of changes. I do have a slight gap between uh, New Mexico in six and Real Monarchs in seventh. But if we do this uh, rankings of, again at the end of July or middle of August or something around that time, there will be a mass amount of changes in both conferences, I believe. Yeah, I think we're going to see the same. I mean, I bet if we did this a couple months from now, we'd have most of the same top tens. Well, if the teams who are the top tens, I don't think those are changing too much, especially out east. Yeah, the east, at least in previous seasons, once they get set into their patterns and ways, that's pretty much been the teams that you'll see it by the time the end of the season runs along. Yeah, my, I mean, yeah, but out west, I could see a lot of these teams dropping out or showing up into the playoffs, especially from the outside. Vegas, if they could start winning road games, Orange County, San Antonio, even RGV and Los Dos, all those teams I wouldn't at all be surprised to see in a play-in game come October here. Yeah, I mean, that middle gap or that middle tier I've had with mine, I think if you're still in 11th to 15th, 
like we had stated, that you're still sitting at a decent spot uh, to potentially make a play-on game. Yeah, I mean, out west, I think Colorado Springs and Tacoma are the only teams, at least number-wise to me, that I could say they're done, their season is over. I mean, I personally think Tulsa is too, just watching them play. But I'd throw Tulsa in there as well. That's my it, those three teams. I think their season is kind of wrapped. Yeah, well, if Tulsa starts playing like they did at the start of the season, they're going to get right back in it. Yeah, but things need to start happening and quickly. But it's just those three teams in the West. Everyone else, you still have a very you have a chance at making the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I well, I'd be surprised, but wouldn't it be a shocker if the first round playoff game is like. RGV at Los Dos, if that's the 8-9 matchup. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if I can go through and pick, but I feel if we, by the time we get to the end of the season, a team that's currently in our top 10 for both conferences will not be there Or by the time I we reach the season end. Who that be? At Austin or Oklahoma? Yeah, I'd say that's pretty much fair for Austin or Oklahoma dropping out in the West. I think in the East, um, God, I St. Louis yeah, or Austin, I'm maybe. Still, I guess a little bit concerned about Ottawa dropping out. They've been looking not as good recently. Granted, they're not losing, but they stopped winning. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, looking at their last, yeah, their last let's see seven games, they only won two, and that was. Both Charlotte and Charleston, but there's draws to Hartford and Memphis in there. You don't want to be drawing those games. Yeah, you, if when you're starting to draw against the teams that we had said earlier were like solidly out of playoff spots, that's when you start making the difference in the table. Yeah. But those are our rankings that, well, those were some of our opinions at the end there, but our rankings are not our opinions. They're what the numbers say because we know numbers never lie unless you want them to lie then they'll lie up and down as much as you want <laughs> so we'll might look back at this at the end of the season see how our rankings do i know i at least every once in a while put up my current top tens for who the playoff teams are mine is one that gets more accurate as the season goes on as it starts you get some pretty weird things happening here there's Tulsa would have been probably the number one seed if we did this a month or two into the season, and that didn't really pan out so well. But it'll be fun to look back at this. And you have any closing thoughts, Ryan? Not much else, just that it'll be an interesting second half of the season. But I have a feeling that we'll get a lot of changes as to just where we are currently. Right. It's all going to change. We're going to get new signings, going to get some coaching changes. We're going to get injuries and gold cup people are all going to come back in a little bit here, but we'll keep you updated with what's going on with the USL and all the fun stories happening. Want to let people know where they could find you on Twitter. On Twitter, you can find me at ILM underscore Ryan. And you could find me at USL underscore pony. Be sure to follow us, the USL show, to keep up with all the latest news, numbers, and just listen to us banter about random stuff. If you want to come hang out with us during the shows, we do record live and broadcast it on YouTube. It's not normally this early in, well, early for me, not for the East Coast people. Normally record 9 o'clock Eastern on 
Tuesday nights because we have a couple of us on the West Coast and we've got to get home from our desktops to make record this. Sometimes we cut it pretty close. So with thanks, thanks for everyone to, who showed up today to listen to us talk about numbers. If you're mad at where we put your team, blame their records and don't shoot the messenger and have a great day. And as our leader, Evan, always says, don't be a dick. This was the USL show's numbers segment, stats, blah, blah. We're out. All right, so Phil, uh, so we can cut it here. Um, we just need to get the sponsorship rolling in, but this is fun. We'll close it off. Yeah, if you need a, I don't.